0: You're listening to Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio.
1: You might not even know what a faithless elector is, but that was the issue in two Supreme Court cases on Wednesday. Faithless electors are members of the Electoral College who refuse to vote for the winner of the statewide elections for president. The state of Colorado removed a Democratic elector who had voted for Republican John Kasich instead of Democrat Hillary Clinton in 2016. And the state of Washington fined three electors who voted for former Secretary of State Colin Powell instead of Clinton. Justice Samuel Alito suggested that giving electors free reign could lead to chaos in close presidential elections.
0: Where the popular vote is close and changing just a few votes would alter the outcome or throw it into the House of Representatives. There would be the rational response of the losing political party or elements within the losing political party would be to launch a massive campaign to try to influence electors.
1: Several justices, like Chief Justice John Roberts, worried that electors might have no constraints.
0: So the elector can decide, I am going to vote, I'm going to flip a coin, and however it comes out, that's how I'm going to vote.
1: Yes, Your Honor. And Justice Clarence Thomas suggested that an elector might even vote for a character from The Lord of the Rings. The elector who had promised to vote for the winning candidate could suddenly say, you know, uh, I'm going to vote for Frodo Baggins, and that's, I really like Frodo Baggins. And you're saying, under your system, you can't do anything about that. Joining me is Edward Foley, who directs the election law program at the Moritz College of Law. So give us a refresher course on government. Explain the role of electors.
0: Well, it's what it was intended to be and what it's become are two different things. And I think that's what the court was struggling with today. You know, the original vision was. For this kind of exercise of discretion or judgment, the one side in the case they're speaking about, that the electors were envisioned to be independent actors, human beings making choices. The founders wanted that instead of allowing any other body to choose president. They didn't have Congress choose the president. They didn't have voters choose the president, regular citizens. They didn't have state legislatures choose the president. Instead, they had this electoral college do the choice. But very quickly, The original vision collapsed into this system of party pledges where electors promise to do what the political party that they're affiliated with wants them to do. And most of the time, that's what's happened. And then we have this term faithless electors for anomalous circumstances where some of them go rogue and abandon their pledge. We've got a real clash between the system as designed and the system in operation.
1: Most voters, I think, expect that electors will cast ballots in line with the popular vote. What happened here? Why didn't they?
0: So that's true. I suspect that when most citizens go to the polls, they think they are themselves voting for president. That you know, that it's the candidate whose name's on the ballot, not the name of the electors. But in fact, our system is this indirect process. The citizens vote for electors, not for president. And again, for most of the time, the gears that the voters don't see sort of work okay. What happened in 2016, because it was such a contentious election, voters in 2016 tended to vote against a candidate rather than for a candidate, if you will. Obviously, you have to vote for someone. But the level of disapproval of the major party candidates was off the charts in 2016 relative to other presidential elections. And as a consequence, there became this movement to try to attempt to get electors to abandon their pledges to come up with some alternative. And that's what ultimately led to this litigation.
1: Is the issue simply, do electors have to follow the popular vote when they cast their ballots, or is it more complicated than that?
0: Well, I think that's the heart of it. You know, Colorado and the state of Washington have rules designed to almost as if they want to eliminate the electors to begin with. The tension, I think, in the real tension in this case is, on the one hand, you've got this feature or element of the Constitution, which is almost like an appendix. Does it does not really serve any function anymore. They are human beings. And yet, the states seem to want to almost eliminate that and make it almost automatic that whatever the popular vote in the state is automatically translates into the state's electoral vote. Again, that's sort of how average citizens think that the system works, but that's not what the Constitution, in fact, provides. Again, there is these competing considerations, which came out at oral arguments, that that you could see the justices wrestling with it, even if they didn't like the system.
1: So how did the justices weigh those competing considerations?
0: Well, I think several of the justices pointed out, I think Justice Alito, picking up on Justice Kavanaugh, said what if the text of the Constitution points in one direction, but chaos points in the opposite direction? In other words, the job of the court is to interpret the Constitution. We like to think of our Constitution as a good document, and for the most part, it is pretty good. But there are some features of the Constitution which are, you know, less than fully desirable. This is the provision of the original Constitution, and the question is whether there's enough wiggle room in the text to kind of render it a nullity. That's where I think Justice Kagan was going with this notion of, what if I find silence? Now, the lawyers in favor of the electors were saying there's not silence here. There's enough indication in the text, the concept of an elector itself as a human being. The fact that they cast a ballot, our understanding of what casting a ballot or vote is, seems to require you to give the electors this autonomy. But Justice Kagan was pushing back on that and saying, well, it doesn't use the word autonomy or discretion or judgment. It just uses the word elector. And so what if we think the Constitution is silent on the power of states to decide how to treat their electors? Maybe we should just let the states do what they want. So I think you have a tension between the Constitution as written does seem to point in one direction, whereas the Constitution as desirable of what we would like it to be almost points in the other direction, and that causes some discomfort as the justices given their role in our system.
1: So do you have any sense of how they might decide this case?
0: I think a number of the justices would like to rule for the states here. I think that's fair to say. I think they see that as kind of the easier position to take, partly because of this notion of avoiding chaos or or consequences. So I think there's that sense of desirability. And I didn't see a lot of sentiment among the justices desiring to give electors autonomy. If they were sort of writing a new constitution, they might get rid of the office of elector. The justices have integrity to their position and and they know that they don't get to just vote what's desirable and that they have to vote the Constitution. I mean, this is a case that I think could have a number of different outcomes. We could see a unanimous result because they all kind of resolve the tension in the same way or they could break, but not necessarily along the conventional five-four split, depending on how each justice sort of struggles with the competing considerations. In a case involving presidential elections, that might very well be desirable so that it doesn't look like a partisan divide or, you know, a typical liberal-conservative divide.
1: Thanks, Ned. That's Edward Foley of the Moritz College of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.